My Car Guru, Season 11, Episode 55. Well, hello, folks, and welcome to another edition of My Car Guru. I'm going to call this the Airified Edition because we're going to talk about air and the impact of air on your vehicle. You probably have never thought about this that much, except when you put your windows down or maybe put the sunroof back and you enjoy the fresh air that's coming into your vehicle. Did you know that when you put your windows down and when you open your sunroof, you are negatively impact, impacting sorry, the airflow around your vehicle, and that is hurting your fuel economy? As if you cared. I wouldn't care. You know, sometimes we have to just enjoy nature, and it's not a bad idea to bring in some fresh air. But we're going to talk about three primary areas that air can impact on your car. Uh, the first of which is the engine. You do realize that without air, your engine would not run. Now, if you're driving an electric vehicle, it, it'd still run. But if you're driving a gas-powered vehicle or a diesel-powered vehicle without air to pass through that engine, you would not have ignition, you would not have power, you would not have exhaust, you would not have the things that are necessary for an internal combustion engine to operate. So how does the air get into your engine? Well, it comes through your grill, and then it gets into your uh, air box of one kind or another. You might have a, a cold air intake, or you may have just a, a, a series of ducts that, not quack ducts, but ducts that actually route the air into your intake. Now, in some cars, they have something called a turbocharger. You ever heard of that? What that's designed to do is to force more air into the combustion chamber, into that intake first and then into the combustion chamber. Now, the reason more air works is more oxygen, right? You know how when there's a fire and if you blow on it, the flame expands? Well, it's because it's getting more oxygen. Same thing happens with your car. It just increases the power of the explosion. And it's better if that air is cool. Most modern turbochargers have something called a uh, intercooler, and that cools the air even more than it would normally be. Now, what spins the turbocharger? Well, it's interesting. It's, it's spun by the air escaping the engine through the exhaust system. So it's coming out at rapid speed, and it spins some vanes on one end of the turbocharger, which spins other vanes on the other end of the turbocharger, which increases the flow of air into your engine. That's why you can take a, well, like Ford uses a lot of turbocharging. They have a something called an EcoBoost V6 in, in the F-150. It's 3.5 liters, and it generates a lot of horsepower. And the reason it does is because it has direct fuel injection, and it has twin turbochargers on it, which forces more air into the engine. So it's important uh, that the air that's coming into your engine is filtered air. That's why you have an air filter to, to accomplish that job. There are all different kinds of air filters. It's why, also why it's important for those air filters not to get clogged up. You know, you think about your, your home air conditioning. How often do you charge or change the filters in your air conditioning system in your house? What? Every six months? No, that's not often enough. Once a month is what you're supposed to do. Now, there are some air filters that claim to last longer than that. But just think, when that thing gets clogged up, it has to pull harder. It works the motor harder, and the air that's coming through is not as clean, 
So we want to make sure that those filters are clean, not only in our house, but also in our car, because it can really clog up the works inside of our engine and do damage to the fuel system if you don't make sure that those air filters are clean. Sometimes you will see a uh, service advisor. You, you take your car in to get it serviced, and the service advisor will come back to you with an air filter in his hand. Well, that's that's hopefully that's your filter. It's not some dummy filter that he uses to sell people or, or air filters. No, he wouldn't do that. No, that's probably your filter, and it hadn't been changed in a while. And you, if it looks dirty, you need to change it, and you need to do that on a regular basis, at least once a year. Some people say every six months you should change your air filter. Uh, there's another air filter that involves the air coming into your cabin. That's why they call it a cabin air filter. Your new vehicle probably has one. If it does, then you need to change it. Lots of times you'll find those in the glove box, the very back of the glove box. You know, you need to know if your car has that because it could really make the environment inside your vehicle more pleasant. And I have seen some of the nastiest cabin air filters in the world. And just think, you're breathing through that. All the air that's coming into the cabin of your vehicle, the space where you're sitting and breathing, comes through that filter. So you would want it to be very clean. So let's get back to the engine just a second. There is something that's even more powerful than a turbocharger, and it's called a supercharger. Now, that just works differently. It gets its power from a different source. Rather than feeding off the exhaust gases, it actually is spun by the, uh, the speed of the engine. There's a belt system that speeds the supercharger, and it, it typically is used on drag racers or really high-performance cars like the Ford GT500. Uh, they'll do that because it spins up quicker. You get the extra boost faster with less turbo lag. So lag is something that you don't want when you're trying to get off the line really quickly. So you're not going to find superchargers on just an everyday vehicle. Just about every Ford that we sell has a turbocharger on it. Some of them have two, like the F-150 or the Expedition. Uh, but most of our small cars have just one because they're just four-cylinder cars, and they don't need to. But they do make a huge difference in power. You can get it. That's how they get a, a one-liter, three-cylinder engine to have as much power as a four-cylinder or some V6s. Actually, we sell three-cylinders that, that have more power than V6s had 20 years ago. Three-cylinder engines, 1.0 liters. That's pretty impressive. Okay, I'll be back here in just a minute to talk more about air. Okay, I am back with a breath of fresh air for your engine. Yeah, your engine needs it. So we're going to get that air filter checked. We're going to get that cabin air filter checked. We're going to make sure that our car has more fresh, clean air coming into it. Why? Well, not, because it would, not just because it could damage your engine, because you'll get better fuel economy as well. You know, it works extremely well. It's just like if you uh, leave the air filters in your air conditioning system at home or heating system, whatever, it's the same usually. If you leave those filters in there too long, your electric bill or your gas bill goes up. So same thing works for your car. So air is important for your engine. But where else does air impact our driving? Well, you know, aerodynamics. Cars have changed a lot. Do you remember probably back in the 
what was it, the early 80s. Chevrolet was building a car called the, uh, what was it back then, early 80s, Malibu, yeah. The Malibu, and, and then you had the Cutlasses and stuff like that. And then Ford Motor Company did something really weird. They came out with the Ford Taurus. You remember the first Ford Taurus? I literally laughed at it the first time I saw it. <laughs> that thing won't sell. Boy, was I wrong. It became the best-selling vehicle in the country. What was weird about the Ford Taurus? It was very uh, swoopy, very rounded, and very aerodynamic. Yeah, Ford figured out that people were ready for something different. They wanted to get away from boxy cars, and that really that has had become a tradition with Ford. When you look at the old big LTDs and the remember the Granada, I mean, it was just a box on wheels. Well, they got away from boxes because they couldn't get them slide, to slide through the air very well, and they kind of figured out something that that the engineers knew all along as far as airplanes are concerned, and that's something called the coefficient of drag. I'm not going to get into the math here, but drag is anything that holds back on the vehicle is wind resistance, basically. So when your car is slicing through the air, going down the road at 65 miles an hour, there's a large part of the power of that engine that is devoted to strictly overcoming the wind resistance. Imagine if there was no or were no wind resistance. Is it was or were? Whatever. Imagine no wind resistance. Uh, your car that you're driving right now, if you're driving a Ford Explorer or a, I don't know, Chevy Traverse, you could probably be getting 50, 60 miles to the gallon were it not for the wind resistance. So if they can figure out a way to make a car slide through the air with less coefficient or a lower coefficient of drag, then you'll get better gas mileage. And that's what Ford had figured out. So it sold really well for a long time. But then there was a kind of a change afoot. Several manufacturers came out with some better-looking designs. It basically turned out to the fact that, that people really don't like roundy-looking cars. They like straight lines. They like boxes. People like boxes. I don't know why that is. I like boxy-looking vehicles more so. I think about the Ford Bronco, the Jeep Wrangler, even the new Jeep Wagoneer. You know, you look at things like the Chevy Suburban. Um, what else? The Honda Element. No, I'm just kidding. Remember the Honda Element? I called them elephants. Very very boxy. Very much a box. You know, boxes will hold more things on the inside than, than a round box. Okay, a square box will hold more than a round box. And so people like that. And if you look around, if you're driving down the road, you'll see what I'm talking about. How much bigger have the grills gotten on trucks? Look at a GMC Sierra. Look at an F-350, a Super Duty, or the big, the all-new Chevrolet uh, heavy-duty trucks. I mean, those things look anything but aerodynamic, right? You'd be wrong if you said that. Well, Lenny, I thought you said that boxes aren't aerodynamic. I thought you said swoopy, curvy designs are more aerodynamic. Well, the manufacturers has, have figured out that aerodynamics do not only involved, involved, do not only involve the top of the vehicle, but it also involves the sides and the underneath. So what the manufacturers have done is they have made great use of wind tunnels. 
And they have figured out that if you make the underside, basically what you want is the wind to be able to escape without creating turbulence. The more turbulence you have, the, the greater the grip is on the car, and it slows the vehicle down. It, has, it, it creates wind resistance. And even though something looks like a box and has a big flat grill, those grills let the air pass through through passages that are underneath the, uh, the hood. And so they also have developed all of these little tricks in the wheel wells and along the bottom of the vehicle to allow the air to not only slip nicely over the top of the vehicle, but underneath as well, uh, creating less drag. So that's why we have so many boxes. People like boxes and boxy vehicles, and people like to drive these big monstrous things. And they still, they get good gas mileage and the coefficient of drag is less. So that is a very important thing, that air has to be managed. If you don't manage the air, then you're not going to get the things that you want, like good fuel economy. But Lenny, why does the Honda Prius look like a jelly bean? Well, it looks like a jelly bean because they think, a lot of people who are manufacturers that build these electric vehicles and hybrids and stuff like that, they thought that that people want them to look really different. And they want them to look like a vehicle that is very aerodynamic, even when it's not. Now, the Prius had a pretty low coefficient of drag. But who wants to drive a vehicle that looks like that? I mean, it looks like a suppository. Well, I probably shouldn't have said that. But they have sold well. And uh, we, we sell a lot of hybrid vehicles, where well, we're used to. You know, the big push now is on EVs. And uh, air is not as important, but it is still important because you have to overcome drag and you still have to be aerodynamic so that the battery usage isn't as excessive as it would be. So we're pushing this big thing of air. I mean, you can tell how air is such an important thing when you're driving down the road. If you get passed by a tractor trailer rig, how it pushes you away. Um, You ought to try to, if you've never driven a, a vehicle like a truck, when you're pulling a big travel trailer or a fifth wheel, you haven't lived until you've had a tractor trailer pass you by and you're driving one of those things because of the way it buffets, the way the air flows around that tractor trailer rig. Nothing aerodynamic about that. And it's all coming towards you at a high rate of speed. So it's something that you have to get used to. But yeah, it does affect us. Another place that air affects us it is, as far as our vehicles is concerned, is that it can get into places where it doesn't need to, and it can cause massive problems. You do want air going into your, um, you know, your combustion chamber where the where all the the pistons and all that are. You want you want air there. You don't want it escaping any places in the engine uh, other than the exhaust, because that means that you've got potentially something called a blown head gasket. And that can create all kinds of issues. So air has places we want it and places where we don't want it. Another place we don't want it is in our fuel system. Because if air gets in our fuel system, we can have something called a vapor lock. And that, that creates a, a situation where the, the fuel can't get to the engine because it, there's a roadblock there. And it's called air. And also, air we don't want air in our fuel system near our gas cap. So if our gas cap is defective in some way. It can trigger our check engine light, let air into the system when it's there's not supposed to be any air, and it can wreak havoc as far as the uh, drivability of the car. You know, you don't want to have to go to the shop every time your check engine light g- comes on. 
just because you went to fill your car up with gas. Please make sure your gas cap is, you know, if it has one of those that, cl- that clicks, you know, when you're turning it, make sure it clicks a couple times. You know, if you buy a Ford, um, I, I don't know what other manufacturers don't use gas caps anymore. Ford doesn't. Ford, when you close the gas door, it's sealed up. You don't have to worry about a gas cap. That has caused me to leave my gas cap on top of the gas pumps several times in my older cars, especially my Bronco and my Corvair. Both of those have gas caps, and I have driven off numerous times because of my senility, my old age problems, and I forget that uh, I took a gas cap off. So I've got to put some kind of sticky note on it or something so that I don't do that anymore. Okay, the last area I want to talk about as far as air in your car is the air in your tires. You know, it's a very neglected space. Uh, people just do not monitor the air pressure in their tires. They just, you know, do it every every time they get their oil changed. They'll have somebody check the air in their tires. And how often you get your oil changed? Every, I don't know, three months, six months? Folks, that's not often enough. If you've got regular air, just the kind that we breathe, in your tires, then you will lose two pounds of pressure per month. Okay, so if your car calls for 35 psi, you can look in your owner's manual on your door uh, door jam. Probably, uh, it might be printed on the inside of your glove box door. How much air pressure goes in your tires? Now, my Chevy Corvair. I'll give you. I talk about it a lot. It's my fave. It has um, a weird thing. It's called the engine in the back, and it's very light in the front. Now it drives great when I have a full tank of gas because the gas tank's in the front. Engine's in the back. I'm kind of sitting in the middle. So it's fine. But as the fuel goes down, the front gets light. So one of the things you have to do with that car is it does not drive good at all if you don't have 15 pounds of pressure in the front tires and 25 pounds of pressure in the rear tires. You wouldn't believe how it trans- it, it just transforms that car into a driving miracle. But if those numbers get squirrely, if you accidentally put 25 in the front and 15 in the rear, it's hard to keep it on the road. Now, your car uh, is going to drive fine. Probably you won't start noticing a big difference till you've lost about 5 to 7 pounds of pressure. But 5 pounds of pressure, you're going to lose that in two months, two and a half months. If you're not getting your oil changed every six months, do you see what I'm talking about? And so it affects the handling. It affects the braking. Uh, in the wintertime, it affects traction. But one of the biggest things that it affects is the life of your tires. If you're a running, running your tires without enough air pressure, then they're going to wear on the outside edges. Okay, If you have too much pressure in your tires, they're going to wear in the middle faster. Because they're you know they're pumped up like a balloon, but if the air goes down, then it puts pressure on the outside edges of the tire, and you're going to have even tire wear on the outside and not much tire wear in the middle, and you're going to be so disappointed when you go in and you've only got you know twenty thousand miles on this set of tires and they're already worn out. It's your fault, or it's the fault of the place where you took your car to get it serviced, because they should be checking your air pressure. But if they're not seeing you, but every 90 days or six months, folks, you, you got to get somebody to check the air pressure in your tires once a month and add, add pressure. You'll get better fuel economy. Your tires will last longer. You know, you're just going to be a happier camper or driver. So, you know, think about that. 
you know, put a sticky note on your dash, like I do with my, like I'm going to have to do with my, my gas caps on my Corvair and my Bronco. Uh, you've got to do something to remind yourself to do that once a month. What else? What else do you do once a month? Buy dog food. Uh, go on a date with your wife or your girlfriend. Just stop at the gas station every time you go on a date. Since it's a once a month date, and check your air pressure. Add as needed. Okay, I'll take my last break. I'll be back here in just a second. So air is important to your car, and uh, you have to manage it. There's a lot of, it's not as if we don't have enough stuff to have to manage and take care of. But this is an important one. If you've got a good service center that's taking care of you, you know, it could be a new car dealership or a, a mom and pop place, or it could be some guy that lives down the street that has, you know, a lot of cars in his driveway and a toolbox. Whoever's checking your car, make sure they're checking the things that, that really matter. You know, it's not just some people just all they ever do is change their oil and get new tires. And, um, you know, they let their brakes go until they're squealing like crazy and their rotors are all eat up and they're all mad because a brake job that they could have had done for, you know, $200 is now $600. It's these self-inflicted wounds that I try to help you avoid on My Car Guru. Well, thanks for listening to this edition and I will see you next time.